Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to the NXT 2.0 review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamper and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0 New Year's Evil. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views or whatever they're bloody called nowadays. We have interviews, round table discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on wrestling culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet Sidgwick to review NXT Dubai New Year's Evil. What do you make of last night's show, Hamlet? I thought this show was great. I think NXT is a complete mess. <laughs> Let me try and articulate those thoughts a bit more. This was a, an enjoyable two hours. This was better than what I saw of Wrestle Kingdom. That's a weird sentence, yeah. right? This was more entertaining than what I saw of Wrestle Kingdom yesterday. However, when NXT puts on, and there's been a few of these, we've had this conversation a few times now, what a decent two hours that was. You know, matches were built to, some of them were very good. Some of them you can see the potential. There's things coming, spinning forward and all that kind of thing. But week on week, this is still soft play. This is still strange, ludicrous, developmental some of it's funny, some of it's, well, most of it's funny on an ironic level. Very occasionally something genuinely pops as all else. It's daft, it's weird, it's strange, and it's odd. And you can't really do earnestly pretty great two-hour wrestling show in the soft play, daft, fun zone. Like, they just don't, <laughs> what is this brand? Because I enjoyed this. But it doesn't really relate to the week on week. And I know that. And we've had enough goes around now to know that. I quite enjoyed War Games too. But it doesn't relate to this brand. You know, the, the moments of like like genuine, like gripping tension in the opener or the almost like AW Dynamite thrill of the six man do not at all marry up to the modus operandi of what the show is week on week. And I just, it's so weird trying to pull those things together when we have an episode like this genuinely enjoyed it it's still untenable yeah it's sort of like what audience are they aiming for and what are they trying to present to them regularly like what is if you were gonna the the, the elevator pitch for for nxt 2.0 what is it is it you know up and coming talent is it really good matches is it the stars of tomorrow i i don't know 
I was confused by this, my reaction to it, which was largely earnestly very positive. Yeah. Um, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I don't know if this is my inability to be pleased with anything related to WWE <laughs> or whether WWE's absolute refusal to not be wrestling is just betrayed by itself time and time again. But I saw a decent amount of talk, or at least what little talk I saw was unanimously positive. The answer to World Wrestling Entertainment's modus operandi is professional wrestling because there was a lot of really good stuff um, on tonight's show. However, before um, after AEW came along, NXT did that week to week, mm. not just on an odd Wednesday or Saturday. And it was incredibly criminally boring and redundant a lot of the time. They just need to be good at everything. They were good at in-ring wrestling tonight. And I, I've said this as my... If you can listen to anything I've ever said out there in subscriber land, valued subscriber land, mm -hmm. is that great wrestling isn't enough. Maybe the curve of how awful NXT 2.0 makes you think, bloody hell, didn't they do well in that ring? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's got something to do with it, but WWE needs to be good at everything. And it's impossible to not do a good wrestling show. I saw Brian Gewirtz do a little pissy tweet in response to, I think, something Tony Khan said, which incidentally is everything everyone said about WWE over the 21st century. The stupid hack Hollywood writers ruin everything. It's not a hot take. <laughs> it's not really an edgy take. It just happens to be an ingrained, eternal, enduring truth. And Brian Gewirtz, not on a Monday night, but on a premium live event night, went, mm, funny. It seems like um, day one was well-received and it was a fun show. It's almost as if it was a collaboration between the talent, the production, the creative, and the everything. It's like, you never tweet that on a Monday, do you, pal? <laughs> Don't know why. Because you can do the most boring, banal, genuinely silly storylines imaginable. If you have a talented roster, right, you are almost guaranteed to do a great wrestling show. I cannot tell you how many great wrestling shows happen every single week and people don't care because they've just been inundated with great wrestling. Like, GCW does great shows. New Japan, despite being terrible with finishes and heat and booking over the past two years of its decline, can still put on... All right, there's loads of very good four and a quarter starter matches on that show. Mm. It just isn't enough. Tonight, maybe... Last night, rather, it felt like enough through the curve. Yeah, I think... Uh, Next week will be Bobbins. It's it's yeah, it will it now it'll be rubbish. Now, like, we'll be taking the piss out of it again. The preview will all be about games. The review will just be scratching our heads, wondering what it was we just watched. It, like a complete disassociation from what we're about to review. Yeah, I thought this was a great show, but then again, if you put Carmelo Hayes and Roderick Strong in a ring, nine times out of ten, they are going to put on a great if match. If you put MSK in a trios match, it's going to be electrified. <laughs> if you put a script in their hands, you're going to hate them. You're yeah. going to actively resent them and cringe at everything they say. I watched that and thought, what did they do last night? Did they wrestle or did they read from a script? Yeah, I watched this and thought, where's this MSK been? And then I was like, oh yeah, I remember they've been doing all that crap road trip bollocks when they didn't even need to go away they were they were <laughs> like we always say the perfect tag team for this new brightly colored nxt they were perfectly fine in the original nxt and yet oh no we've got to get our grubby creative paws in them and make them stoner guys even though you know that sort of was a given but we need really to hammer this 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 element home yeah i think it's it was a really enjoyable show last night, undercut by the fact that 
right, back to the bollocks next week sort of thing. Anyway, let's talk about it. Let's talk about this opening match. It was the uh, title unification match. Cruiserweight champion uh, Roderick Strong versus North American champion Carmelo Hayes, the winner being crowned the NXT North American champion, effectively. Um, back and forth action. These two worked really well together, of course. Strong's target in the back, as he often does. And Carmelo Hayes is, you know, without doubt, a star of the future for them. Um as we come back from uh, one of the early, you know, back and forth between these two, Strong gets caught in the ropes. Springboard leg drop from Carmelo Hayes looked nice. Uh, and then he hits Strong with a jumping DDT on the apron. Um, as they go back inside following up from that and, and being on the outside, uh, he's a sick kick for a two count. Later on, um, they are countering each other. Uh, there's a cross face going on. Strong, strong reverses, goes to put him in a Boston Crab, the stronghold, of course. Uh, but Hayes reverses that and puts it on Strong himself. Again, Strong reverses it, puts it on Hayes. Hayes manages to get to the ropes. Um, strong, out of nowhere, nails Hayes with some strikes and uh, hits an Olympic slam. Uh, and a brilliant uh, ending to this match. They are fighting on the top rope. Hayes pulls off this mad avalanche X-plex for a two count. Uh, that's not enough, though. So he goes back up top and hits that huge uh, guillotine leg drop from the top rope for the one, two, three. Hayes becomes, I suppose, the unified champion. He's just the North American champion now. Uh, as we called it, Sige, um, but a, a great story nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, they didn't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. They just did that which NXT 2.0 rarely does. And they offered a really good professional wrestling match that was absorbing, simple to follow, and worked in a way that really suited the respective styles and abilities of each man. We know the story. Roderick Strong relentlessly attacked Carmelo Hayes' back. And there were moments in this match. There was one backbreak of a goddamn bump that Carmelo Hayes took was delightful. I want to watch someone like Roderick Strong. I don't want to watch him do wacky segments. I don't want to get him, I don't want to watch him in a heel versus heel match. I, the stuff that he was doing with, um, what's his face, Gacy. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what he is. I've lost interest in, lost interest in Roderick Strong over the last however many weeks as a result of this just bizarre looping book in that NXT just is, you know, synonymous with at this point. I instead watched him ground a high flyer with some incredibly stiff, painful looking stuff. And it was absolutely awesome. It wasn't like a TV match of the air candidate, but I would put it a notch below because the relentless drama and this was something special. That bump that I just, it stayed with me this morning. That yeah. bump, I just thought he looked like he killed the guy. He looked <laughs> like the guy shouldn't be able to walk afterwards, but Hayes sold it tremendously. Um, Hamflit made an astute point on the Raw review yesterday where Again, we're also calcified to just wrestling, this inundation of wrestling for the past however many years that you see a balcony dive these days, you go, oh, cheers for hurting your back, but I didn't really pop. Mm. Kevin Owens had that ability to do it. And with the X-Plex, I was like, Jesus Christ, yes. a high spot actually registered as a high spot. And I think one of the reasons was not only did it look gnarly, it looked a little bit off in that kind of a chaotic way. We'll revisit that later as yeah, well. Yeah, you weren't really sure who was... Who was taking the worst of it? But still, like, yeah. looked like it still dropped my jaw. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, again, the principles of pro wrestling went done well and not made redundant through just desperate quests for critical acclaim. They still work. Of course, mm. they still work. It's goddamn pro wrestling. It was struggle of selling the idea that his back looked knackered and he took that risk. It's just an excellent professional wrestling match. 
Yeah, totally echo that. You asked me yesterday on the preview of one if this could be the match of the night. And I didn't really think it stood a chance because I because of those problems with the characters, you know, like Diamond Mine have been really underwritten in truth. We know they're a stable and we know roughly what they're about, but the character alignments are all over the shop. And Roderick Strong has almost felt lowered by being part of them rather than them being elevated by him. Um, similarly, Carmella Hayes and Trick Williams, a really great act, irresistibly great, but heels. So really difficult to receive them. And yet this match provided the answer within the context of the match itself. Roderick Strong is more experienced and with his moves and with his focus on Carmella Hayes back, he sort of slotted into a default heel role, I guess you could say, in the way that WWE structures its matches, while Carmella Hayes became the default babyface by having to survive, by being in what was clearly, in his char in character terms, in the fight of his life at this point. I've never seen... Um, Cedric has sort of isolated various points in which Hayes sold particularly well in this one. I've never seen yet from him, him master the space between quite as well as he did in this. It was like a real, it was a breakout match for Carmelo Hayes. And that term has obviously been bastardised by NXT in the form of the tournaments and the like. But when, when it's happening for real, you can feel it. And that's the difference versus when you're being told it through labels or through tournaments or whatever. This was for more than just unifying titles because... The belts are quite valueless, you know, in the Cruiserweight titles case, now literally so. Um, but this was absolutely Carmelo Hayes' breakout night. And this was, for all, you know, the discussion that we've had at the start of the podcast about what is this NXT? This is proof of concept of the one thing they're actually trying to achieve, which is using the established stars, mm. not just to put over and lose to these brand new faces, but to make you see them in a completely different light as well. We'll get to this in the main event. It's one thing to lay down for the three. It's another to really make a guy. Yeah. Carmelo Hayes, for all that he's done right so far, and for all that the act with Trick Williams is one that clearly has a lot more potential. Tonight was the night that he felt made for the first time. That was why, in my opinion, you might have felt something as he held those belts aloft, because the whole thing felt earned for the first time. Like, I didn't think a particularly effective story has been told heading into this match, but I completely believed all of it, like, bell to bell. Really, really tremendous. Like, this was, for me, the match of the night. And considering the competition they had with the six-man, mm. like, that in itself was a tremendous achievement. Like, a really great effort all around. Uh, speaking of tournaments, they uh, follow that up by announcing that the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic is returning for both men and women. Uh, Hamlet, your thoughts on it? And let's not forget the grizzled young veterans have been finalists the past couple of years. Is this their year? Uh, look at his face. <laughs> look at his face. You just, you just want me to say yes for you. Like, I'll say it, like, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you that because why not? Why not? And again, a strange one. The, the kind of the paradox, I guess, of NXT there on paper doesn't feel like there's anywhere near enough the people to facilitate two tournaments. And yet... Often these tournaments perform well in spite of themselves. Mm. So, like, I think there's precedent to suggest that, like, there might be some, like, real high moments at these tournaments. You know, like, they can book these, like, typically, they can actually book these tournaments at the point where when we're previewing the matches, we're kind of into the permutations. It doesn't look like they can manage it on paper yet again. But I thought that last year. And what was the year? Did they not integrate NXT UK in it one year? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, they've killed it. Brilliant, they've killed it. And like the, the tournament was pretty good. So like these have these have performed quite well in spite of very obvious damning factors. So I guess like I'm willing to give this one a chance before it fails in front of my very eyes. How are you feeling about it? Indifferent. <laughs> the tag division absolutely sucks. Maybe a bit of focus through the like the 
structure of a tournament will get away from this ridiculous, all four teams are feuding at once, so let's do some ridiculous commentary, you know, and there's another commentary table, and oh, here's some distractions, and rings. it's been a load of absolute bobbins bollocks, this NXT tag team division, for God knows how long, since the launch of 2.0, other than Imperium, Jesus Christ, I, I simply can't be pleased. Gun I to, simply cannot be pleased. If you said gun to my head... Name the 16 teams that could be taking part in this if we're going to the do an 16? eight. 16? No, I'm just saying, for example, if you're going to do an eight, it should. I always think all tournaments should be at least eight people. If you said to me, name 16 people who could be in this tournament, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could name eight. No, exactly. <laughs> right. The, the, the final of last year's Dusty Cup was probably my favourite NXT match of the year. Yeah. yeah. So again, like they can sort of, they can magic something out of nowhere with these tournaments, but it's a, it's a hell of an ask this year. We'll probably get a repeat. And then we'll probably get MSK versus Imperium for the belts. Yeah. Or we could get, I mean, it could well be MSK versus Creed Brothers in the final because I'm not old, holding my breath for the grizzled young veterans, sadly, uh, this year, despite all the hard work they've put in into working out how to distract officials, despite the fact they were already NXT UK tag team champions. Right. Uh, before we get to AJ Styles confronting Grayson Waller, he bumped into Tommy Chomper stroking Goldie backstage. Exchange pleasantries. Uh, what did you do when it's not on camera? Don't ask. Um, <laughs> Styles comes out, gets a huge reaction. <laughs> he said stroking Goldie as well. It's sort of, he's, a, he's a voyeur, but it's like, so he, he doesn't stroke it in private, but if, there's a, if the red light is on, he's like, all right, let me whip it out. <laughs> I'll give it a good stroke while you're watching. So Styles comes out, gets a, an amazing reaction, of course, um, and then uh, talks about talks about his regrets, basically regretting having not gone through NXT before he debuted on the main roster. Maybe more people should do that. Um, he says there's something special about NXT, though, and it gets a big as NXT chant. He talks about the passion. Uh, he says there's always going to, you know, fans have got this passion. There's always someone who wants to take it away. Grayson Bloody Waller, of course. That brings out Waller, naturally, uh, who talks about the fact that, yeah, people will say oh, he's green and what have you, but he's uh, he's better than you realise, and he's better than this twat in the... Uh, crowd or whatever it is. And then talks about Styles' loss to uh, Big George Omos on Monday Night Raw. He says the reason that happened is because you were thinking about Grayson Waller the whole time. I'm living your head rent-free. I didn't show up on Raw simply because I didn't want to give you an excuse for the loss. Um, Styles says, you know what? You're right. I am a little bit beat up after almost chucked me about a bit. So why don't you get in this ring and, and take advantage of it? Let's have a let's have a match right now. I'm in my gear. Let's just get a referee out here. Uh, and Waller says, no, we're not on phenomenal time. You're on my time. Um, and Styles says, you need to get a shack, pal. I don't know what that is. Um, he says... He doesn't need a spherical. <laughs> he says, um, I've never had a match in NXT. Let's get this on sort of thing. Yeah. But, but um, never a singles match. That was it. He uh, specified. Um, but uh, as Waller gets into the ring uh, and they circle each other, he uh, takes his shirt off and says, actually, no, we're not doing this tonight. We're only going to do it if we're the main event of NXT. We'll do it next week. Styles accepts. Waller, of course, goes to cheap shot him. Styles decks him. But Waller gets him as uh, he's coming back into the ring. Styles fights back. Pele kick goes for the uh, phenomenal forearm. But Waller bails out of their hamlet. I mean, Styles wasn't lying when he said there is something special about NXT, but it's called the Archive and it's on Peacock for nah, nah, yeah. nah. So, like, I don't know what he was referring to. I hate it when um, 
Champ has done this as well, obviously. I hate it when in that ridiculous multicolored fun dome, they try to like like somehow like talk about the spirit of the old NXT as if it's a thing, as if this is just full sale, but with different colors. It's it's a ludicrous juxtaposition of two incredibly different things. Um, don't tell me that Grayson Waller isn't ready for the main roster because he just had a main roster segment, didn't he? Like yeah. one of these guys, if you go to Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, you're required to maybe wrestle five nonsensical minutes, having cut a promo equally nonsensical, lasting about the same amount of time. And that was what this was. As generic, a babyface wants to fight the heel. Heel has come to work to wrestle and doesn't want to do his job. Segment that we have seen a gazillion times on the main roster since 2001. Um, by that, I mean it was boring. I had no feeling for it. I don't particularly want a match that it built up to next week. And no slapping of three letters that used to mean something over the top of it are going to change my mind. I generally thought this was thoughtless trash. Utterly thoughtless <laughs> drivel nonsense. I have the same exact problem as Hamlet. The idea of AJ Styles and there's so much special about his place. No, there isn't. Like, there absolutely isn't. I, I remember when I came to the NXT Dome and saw Zayn versus Nakamura. <laughs> <laughs> right here on 2.0. I mean, I hate It's almost word for word the exact same drivel that Edge came out with when he failed to pop a rating and failed even more drastically in convincing me and everybody else oh, that yeah. he wanted to go for the NXT title when he's going <laughs> to do that thing where... I'm going to see which one are, uh, which one of these I'm going to pick. Well, actually, you can't pick either because you've tanked the ratings on all three shows, Edge. So let's get, uh, let's get Danielson. Let's get the dragon in instead. You boring, ba- you boring bitch. These You're part-time. Are... <laughs> You're part-time. <laughs> these words mean nothing, and they are written down by some hack who's going, what are these, what are these absolute... Uh, Idiot smocks in the crowd. Gonna, how can we do the Pavlovian thing and get them chant NXT? Talk about the passion, our special, and it's on the ground. You killed it. We know you've killed it. Like, don't piss me off by saying that you haven't killed it. Mm. I don't, I didn't even like it by the end, and I'm still annoyed by their insistence that it's the same thing that you, that you killed it and you killed it like with a massive smile on your face. You took everything about it and thought, oh, how can we be really cruel and funny about this? So, that really pissed me off. And it's so small time as well. Like even if we didn't know the backstage, fascinating political power plays as to how it got killed. It looks like the smallest wrestling show this side of NWA power, and they're saying oh, it's really special. One more thing, because I hated all of this so much. Thoughtless, cliche, copy and paste drivel. If I never hear the words "living rent free" in your head ever again, I will die. You happy man. I know there are great wrestlers out there on the other channel who are saying the same thing, and that's pissing me off as well. It's a, an awful phrase that's slung about on not just wrestling Twitter, but football Twitter, everywhere I look, and I'm just sick of seeing it rent and hearing. Rent-free, oh, my God. Oh, rent-free. Like, you can't, that means you can't have anything to say yeah. because whatever you say, even if it's a valid point, you're talking about this subject, therefore, rent-free. Yeah. It's in the same postcode as people that post screenshots about getting blocked. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, well, I won that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, we get a uh, vignette from uh, Pete uh, who says, is that your best you could do? Oh, Tony D'Angelo. Um, <laughs> talking about him <laughs> breaking his hand with a crowbar. 
he says, Tony, poke the bear. This is just the beginning. And he's going to rip his arm out of his socket and stomp him down for good. Uh, he challenges uh, Tony D'Angelo to finish what he started next week and bring the crowbar. Because you'll need it. Anything you want to say about this? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> we get uh, a backstage segment with... Uh, oh, then bloody lot of party, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carr. Amari Miller uh, talks to them about uh, what parties you've been going to, what wild party, because you know you are the party capital of the bloody whatever. Um, uh, they said that their New Year's resolution is going to become is to become NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. Uh, Income Persia Parara and E Hartwell and say oh, no, we'll win the titles actually, uh, and they challenge them to a match. Persia's happy, but Indy says, please, no more handicap matches. Uh, and they turn around and say, what about you? It's Tiffany Stratton there. And she goes, oh, no. Daddy, the one in a wrestle. Which is my dream, I think. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves uh, and they go, what about her there? And it's Wendy, Wendy Chu. She was asleep. She gets woken up by it. Uh, she doesn't know what's going on. She thinks someone's a hamburger. It's really funny. We didn't call this, so... No, why would we call... <sighs> I mean, we're t- basically, we're being too straightforward with our games yes. to preview this show. It, all along, was this just a typical WWE reference point thing? There's an episode of South Park from 1999, Chef Aid, where Elton John sings to save Chef's job, and he sings a song dedicated to Stan's girlfriend, Wendy, called Wake Up, Wendy. Is that the entire reason for the existence of this character? Tony Khan's a South Park guy. We were all a South Park guy once, you know. I saw something on Twitter today, and I apologise to whoever it was who tweeted it to us. I assume it was tongue-in-cheek. I hope it was, you know, a little bit like, let's just, let's poke the Sidgwick bear a little bit more than anything. Or just like, now WWE is this ridiculous that they may try and do it, suggesting that Wendy Chu could be an Orange Cassidy-esque character in in NXT. I did see this. Yeah. Was it Hayley? Was it Hayley? I can't remember. Apologies if it wasn't. I Hayley. didn't respond because I was frightened. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good take, if that like is the case. But that is exactly how they would see how to try and do their own Orange Cassidy. Like in their minds, they're like, oh, we've nailed this. It's very, know, it's, it's very WWE to do because, right, okay, well, he's a bit lazy. Right, uh, lazy, sleepy, props, <laughs> pyjamas, <laughs> actual slumber. Right, there we go. <clears throat> You're gonna wear some pajamas, yeah. And then you're gonna yeah. give uh, Eddie Hartwell and Persia Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she'll go on to be the most relatable character in all of WWE because she'll fall asleep while watching the match, like the rest of us do. I couldn't get over that. that I think it might have been over Christmas because I, I saw it on Twitter and I don't. It maybe it was one of the last ones we watched, and I was like, "Well, home straight now. Let's not let's not demolish ourselves." But I saw a tweet where it was like. It was, uh, you know, the commentary team and her asleep behind them. And I was like, if people don't know about this, and even if they are concentrated that much, they don't really pay that much attention to everything. They look and go, is someone literally asleep yeah. at this show? And the work became a shoot. self-own. No, but the work became a shoot because didn't somebody screenshot something from Raw during the Miz promo where a kid was asleep on his mom's shoulder or something <laughs> like that? Yes. Well, you know, so what he's either a massive Wendy Chu fan, or he too is just trying to get through a taping <laughs> like the rest of us. Yeah, it's I'm doing homage to Wendy Chu. Wendy Chu. 
I love that though. You know why they did that? Why they they're tweeting that though, aren't they? Rent free, rent free. Piss off. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Anyway, back to New Year's Evil, and we got that wild six-man next. It's Imperium. It's the brilliant Fabian Eichner, who's fast becoming my favourite person on this show. Marcel Bartel, who's also great, and uh, Walter. Fantastic to see him back in NXT, of course, against uh, MSK and Riddle. Um, early interactions uh, between Riddle and uh, Walter. Nash Carter started it all off and there was a bit of an isolation for him, but in comes Riddle, kicks Walter. <laughs> Walter goes, that's nice. And then just flattens him with a chop, of course. Uh, and then goes, right, that's, that's that's what I dealt with. Uh, tags Fabian Knight. And you, you, you know, you take over from here. He gets a two count. Uh, later on, again, Walter comes in and just lays out both uh, Nash Carter and Wesley and sets him up on the ropes for a stereo kick from in and out of the ring from Eigner and Bartel. And they do their infamous pose as we go to the break. Uh, they're working over Carter as they come back. Um, Carter d- uh, desperately uh, tries to get to his corner and looks like he's going to make it. But uh, Walter comes in and cuts all that off, stomps on him, starts... Uh, battering him, but then Carter gets to his feet and thinks it's a good idea to chop Walter. Yep, no, no, that's not going to happen. Um, anyway, Carter manages to somersault underneath Walter, goes for the tag, but Imperium have knocked his partners off the apron. Uh, he looks like he's going to powerbomb Carter, but Carter flips out, gets to Riddle. Riddle comes back and, uh, yeah, gets a bit of a receipt um, for what happened with him and Walter earlier. Uh, he takes out Imperium, goes to that T-bone suplex. Walter blocks it, but Riddle hits him and nails the T-bone suplex on the second attempt. Um, Imperium come in. Uh, Riddle's getting beaten down. Riddle gets saved 
Uh, MSK super kicking Pyrian off the apron. Uh, he goes at Riddle, flips out to the apron and kicks Walter. And then they all dive onto all three men. He gets Walter in the ring, suplexes him, gets a two count, uh, preps for the RKO, but Imperium take out all of MSK. That distracts Riddle and Walter can hit him with a powerbomb for a near fall. Uh, Walter instructs his boys to go for their finisher. Uh, but in the midst of all this, Walter gets caught with a German suplex. Carter comes in, Lee comes in, spinning blockbuster and Riddle RKO's Bartel for the victory for himself and MSK. What do you make of this, Sidgwick? I thought it was class. I... About three years after the fight has completely ended, so there's no conversation to get involved with, I've recently discovered true crime as a genre of things to watch mm-hmm. on bloody Netflix. Oh. Yeah, it's after everyone stopped giving a toss about them realistically, because my whole deal was ahead of Christmas, I am an anxious fella generally, and I'm a bit, I'm weirdly superstitious as well. So my crack was, well, I can't watch any Christmas films and have my Christmas traditions because that'll mean Christmas will be taken away from me yeah. by Omicron. I'll be tempting fate if I dare to dream of Christmas, right? So I thought, what can I watch instead? I don't want to, I don't want to feel festive, right? Festive, be, be, they'll get me if they can... <laughs> What's the antithesis of Christmas? Yeah, they'll get me. <laughs> They will get me if they believe me to be being festive because how dare I tempt fate, mm. given what fate is doing in the world right now, right? So I started watching True Crime, right? <laughs> the Killing of Wesley is my favourite one yet. He, <laughs> took, he took, in this match, he took the fucking beating. It was great. There was this one moment where, like, they, Imperium together engineered this spot where he's, like, tangled up in the ropes and he's held in place by Bar- uh, Bartel and Aiden and just Walter comes over and boots up. <laughs> Fantastic. This was thrillingly, thrillingly arranged, like the best trios matches are. That high spot where Riddle and both MSK floored all three oh. of them was just like the best. Again, uh, now that I can appreciate joy once more, I've been getting in my Nintendo. You know, you see like bursts of activity and like vibrant colors. You're like, yes, it's dopamine. Somehow that high spot, and it was all in the way it was built to, but like the thrill, the chaos how much I was trying to pay attention to, the vibrant backdrop of colours. Oh, I got some dopamine out of this. Yeah. Um, it was more fun than great, but it was really, really yeah. good fun. Um, again, like the, the sort of best comparison I can make is a really enjoyable AEW Dynamite trios match. That's what uh, I thought that's yeah. what the energy was. I think, like, not least because there wasn't, yeah, like, a massive story specifically in terms of the rivalry. It was just you knew who the two sides were. Like, this wasn't... The, like an ongoing feud as such more that like, oh, well, I know they're a trio now and I understand like the Riddle is helping MSK along. So it was like important that they won. It was important that they figured out the Walter problem. And what I loved about, so you mentioned the arrangement of it, it never ever gets old. And that's why Walter's worth so much money in how you tease out Walter's big moments. So like there was twice in this match where he kind of just did the sort of putting his hands together. Right, fine, I'll sort this out then. I can kill guys by myself. They managed that twice. And then still at the end, was it like after one of the RKO attempts when he just fired back with a shotgun drop kick? It was like, we thought we'd absorb the worst that Walter can do. Oh, he also does this. And like <laughs> the matches, every single time the match obscures what else Walter's got in the chamber. And it wasn't, this was far from like a one-man show, but it made absolute sense because he was very much the special guest for all of this to structure it around those really, really cool moments. I say moments of joy but it's moments of pain for everybody else through what Walter does. And uh, yeah, just structurally, I thought this was so just 
inch perfect engineering of how to use these six guys specifically. MSK, like, not that I think we'd have gotten bored of it, but by the fact that they have been gone on this stupid journey, like, I've really missed them. Mm. So I've missed this electricity from an MSK match. I don't know why the people in charge of NXT would have deprived the show of this as much as they have done since 2.0 started it. Like, it's really perplexing to me. And it's, it's funny that in doing that to MSK, Imperium have spotted a gap and thought, well, we'll do that instead then. And then you'll miss MSK. There is suddenly a place for an electrifying tag team. And it turns out we can do that too. So all of these elements converging made something quite magic here. Meaningless in the grand scheme of things. Both teams will enter the uh, Dusty Cup. Walter and Riddle aren't part of this brand. But as a one-night thing, it's actually something that we'll remember and we might mm. talk about it again. And you know, dare I say it, come the end of the year, you might just even give it a quick watch just to th- see if it was as good as you remember it. That, you never say that about NXT matches ever. So they like assembled something quite like miraculous here. Yeah, a lot of fun, this. Uh, we go backstage. Joe Gacy's there with Heartland. Uh, apparently, he nearly threw one of Andre Chase's students off the roof last week, which I might have to go back and look at if that was the case. Um, Gacy says he's reckoning with his difficult past. He's making progress, though, and they're going to enter the Dusty Tag Classic, and maybe winning that is going to finally give him peace. But they're not just asking for a spot. They're not looking for these privileges that others get. They are happy to earn that spot. Uh, Hamlet, you rolled your eyes as I was talking about all this. Do you know what I realised just now, right? I was cruel to New Japan at the start of this. Uh, this is better than King of New Japan's in the mud now. I'm going to be kind to them. I've just realised what this episode of NXT was. It was the New Japan Ring of Honor Madison Square Garden Super Show because we just watched the New Japan match and now this promo is a Ring of Honor one. Yeah. <laughs> Get back to the New Japan stuff, please. Like, the version of this show that I really enjoyed just came to an end again when the bell rang because I had to watch next week's and the weeks after in the form of this Joe Gacy promo. I just hate this character. And that feeling is not going away every single time they drop a buzzword. Like, I can't, I can't, like, I can't be dispassionate about how irritated I want to be. I want to be able to be like, like, in terms of like music now, if I hear if Ed Sheeran comes on, younger me would have been so furious that an Ed Sheeran's been allowed to exist and penetrate the zeitgeist the way he has. Older me, I'm just like, oh, whatever, fine. Like, he's not for me, but he's for other people and I can just let that go. Why can't I let Joe Casey go? Like, it's because I it's because I think as Cedric's point about how you can just you can feel the hand of the authors, not so much on his shoulder as like strangling him as he says <laughs> these words. Awful old rich white dudes breathing through this character winds me up every week. I hate it. He bro. Well, well yeah, without going like I hate it for everything that Hamlet's just said, and we said on the podcast on occasion, we know why the character exists. It's just Bruce Pritchard venting for no real material storyline effect. But there are problems within what is an inherently just obnoxious character. Like, he's playing the lefty snowflake who's virtue signaling. Triggered. And he's really he's really a piece of work and everyone on the left is fake and they're just, you know, virtue signaling. So that's awful in itself. <laughs> I tell you, I wouldn't, genuinely, I would hate it if AW in response debuted some kind of magnitude character. I'd hate that. Just, don't get my politics I'm a wrestling. Is usually, don't be a goddamn liberal I'm a wrestling. But like, wrestling isn't a sophisticated enough platform to do politics. To stop it. But him saying that, you know what, 
we're not an established tag team. We haven't won a single match as a tag team in order to be in this tournament. Um, we'll, you know, we'll in our in our way, we'll in our keep. It's a baby face virtue. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a heel thing about that. Pathetic brainworms from stupid old men. Uh, we also got a promo from uh, Electra Lopez. Uh, talking about Zion Quinn and, you know, all the speculation around her and, and what have you. Uh, uh, Quinn's going to face Santos Escobar, sorry, Santos Escobar in a match next week. Uh, and the winner of that match leaves with her. What do you mean by that? Well, she's an object. <laughs> uh, then we got the triple threat match. Prior to that, we saw, what is this? Complains, trains and automobiles. <laughs> Mandy Rose arrived by helicopter. The champ arrives in style. New Year's Evil, baby, she says, posing with the title. Uh, Cora Jade skated in, sort of. And uh, Gonzalez rode that weird motorbike that doesn't look cool. It's not planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. It's helicopter bikes and feet. <laughs> she, didn't need she, doesn't, she has a mode of transport that she doesn't need. Anyway, we got the triple threat match, and it was, as I said, I've ranted to Sidgwick about this already this morning, but uh, the Wilborn associate will will allow it, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> is every triple threat match ever, oh, you've given me a back elbow. That's going to put me down for five minutes. So yeah. You two can have a wrestling match. Look, it's Raquel Gonzalez. She's great. She's got loads of power moves. She chucked both of them about. Mandy Rose there and Cora Jade, you know, is the the, the flippy, you know, high flying, uh, athletic young one of the match, effectively. So, yeah, Cora Jade gets taken out of it towards the end. I'm not going to talk about a lot of the spots because it was just that. It was just you get out of the way so we can, the two of us can just have a bog standard wrestling match. In the end, Jade's out of the match. It's Gonzalez and Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose tries to leave. She gets dragged back into the ring by Gonzalez, but as they're getting back in, Rose has used the opportunity to, to beat down Gonzalez. Um, Gonzalez fires up, though, uh, hits her powerbomb finisher, goes for the cover, but uh, Cora Jade flies in off the top rope, sentons the pinfall to, to break it all up. Uh, Gonzalez goes after Jade, but Jade reverses, sends her to the outside. She thinks she's got Mandy Rose defeated, goes over, goes to roll her up, Rose counters, one, two, three. She escapes with the championship, effectively, Sitch. I thought nothing of this match. I rolled my eyes at the layout. Just couldn't invest in it at all. Like, selling... I've told people this before. I'm not a massive, major, major, major selling nerd. I've got latitude towards selling, but when he sees it, it's just like... It's fake. It's lame. It's just not good <laughs> at all. Um, the actual various matches within the match weren't particularly hot or good. They Did they botch the finish? Didn't look like she trapped the legs. It looked like she forgot to trap the legs. Mm. They, did a, legs. They, did a, they did a kendo stick <laughs> shot in picture in picture. So a lot of people will have missed it. Just a bad match that no one was particularly into to begin with because it just screamed filler. A, a free hit, as Hamlet referred to it as yesterday. Uh, the low point of the show by some margin. Yeah, completely agree. Just yesterday, triple threats are different to the multi-man matches we were describing, the four ways and the five ways and that. But ultimately, the, one of the most important elements of making those entertaining is that if you are just going to do spot, spot, spots, and the danger is going to graduate, but there's going to be no other real story thread, uh, the spots have actually got to be entertaining and the spots have actually got to have a sense of danger. None of them did. Like, 
all right through the finish as well, no less. You mentioned the kendo stick in picture in picture. That was far more violent than whatever that strange, again, looked slightly botched, that sloppy end at the very least. Was Cora's big plan when a moment came to steal one with a roll-up? Like that that was her end game for all of this. Is like, oh well, I've I've seen it work for 300 million wrestlers on the show before. So tonight. <laughs> Tonight's my night. Like, where is the big move when your moment arrives that that specific type of baby face should have? Other, like, this this was really sloppy and really boring. And even then, there was still, like, even if the match had been great, there were still sort of inherent flaws as well. What's the one match that Mandy Rose can't run away from to save a title in? Yeah. A triple threat. So why, so why would she do that? And that, like, when something is already feeling like really badly undercooked and underthought out. And then you see a spot like that, you realise, oh yeah, like they've taken this free hit thing way too, they've been way too liberal with it and they've completely phoned this one in. Um, I imagine these sort of matches take place in the performance centre all the time as like training exercise. And that's what I felt like I was watching. No real excuse for it to be this poor on television. It wasn't like the worst in terms of the botches we've seen from some of the more inexperienced wrestlers, but it was just such a sloppy delivery of something that they're wanting to tell you is a big thing, you know, a woman's title match. So considering the prestige and the stakes they pretended to have, this came, this fell well, well short. Uh, Boas splashing water on his face, saying he can't control his powers. Uh, he's asking the dark side to let him just face Solo Sokoa by himself. And then he splashes water on his face again and then over his shoulder in the reflection or whatever it is. Evil Boa's there. Can you not just give them to somebody else, like how he got them in the first place? I don't know. Let's have a nice long kit. <laughs> Riddle, do the job. Riddle, uh, Riddle says farewell to uh, MSK. It's not goodbye forever, it's just goodbye for now. Uh, and then MSK turn around to go face-to-face with the Creed brothers, talking about how competitive the tag team division has become. Uh, and uh, MSK want to win the Dusty Cup again, but that's not going to happen because the Creed brothers are involved. I think it's a you know a hell of a, a, a potential final right there. Obviously, I just hope they they allow. If we are going to have like I said, not suggested but pontificated, we're going to have eight teams. Have the Creed brothers be the old Creed brothers in the first few rounds and just run through people. That would be a nice little way to set them up as a potentially viable semi finalist act. Also, don't call them the fucking Creeds because it sounds like a cartoon family. Yes. Rubbish. I think there is the Crudes or some bollocks, aren't there? There is a... Um, uh, right. A real highlight of the show came next. Andre Chase is here. Bloody love Andre Chase. Uh, he comes out and talks about the uh, the thing that happened last week, saying it was a teachable moment. Uh, he was in deep trouble, but one of his students risked life and limb to protect him. Uh, this is the kind of bond they have between, you know, the, the faculty and the student body. Uh, he's grateful that Harlan didn't throw him off the roof of the building because that would have been terrible for enrollment, though. But he wants to recognise the student for his braveness, a man he's so proud of. We get a You Deserve It chant from the Chase You section of the audience. Uh, and he is going to be a recipient, this guy, of the first ever Andre Chase University full scholarship. And he says, hey, come on down. But who should interrupt? Van Wagner. That's not going to fly with him. He says, enough with the bullshit. He says, let's get the real, let's let the real star of NXT say something. I don't know when he was meant to come out, but Von Wagner stayed there instead. <laughs> um, he got in the ring. He said he heard the boos and the negative tom- comments. But when he steps in the ring, all of a sudden he's our new favorite. What? And we all want to tune into the Von Wagner watch party <laughs> to see what he's about to do next. No. Um, 
It doesn't matter. He only needs to be liked by the people that matter. None of them do. It's well, are they? They're all tuning in to watch him, but they uh, they so, don't like him. So it's a Von Wagner watch party. Yeah, that no one wants to watch. But it doesn't matter <laughs> because the the people they're not they don't matter. Each and every one of you don't matter. It's the people in there, the higher power people that matter. I don't care. Um, he says he's everything the fans aren't. Everything Andre Chase isn't. Andre Chase tries to have a word with him, gets nailed, uh, Olympic slam, chucked all over the place. Uh, and then Von Wagner decides to, I don't know, Eric Cantona, the crowd, I suppose, gets out there, starts brawling with the crowd. Not only the, the lad who was going to get the scholarship, but just fighting with areas of the crowd before getting removed by security for just going too far, Michael Hamflet. Uh, I love Vince McMahon currently because I can't understand what he's saying. I love Von Wagner because I can. <laughs> like, speaks <laughs> and, like, it's just, you mentioned Eric Cantona, and straight away in my head went, when the seagulls follow the trawler. <laughs> like, <laughs> I Von Wagner'd it. I'm starting to want a Von Wagner my daily life. So, like, if we were sort of arranging something that might be coming up with, like, one of the kids after school clubs or something like that, I might say to my wife, um, oh, no, it's not on Monday, but come Tuesday, I'll pick the kids up. <laughs> he is terrible, absolutely terrible at talking, and I want him to cut promos every week. I'm not bothered about the end result. I'm not bothered about the matches. He's just your standard Commodore Garden WWE developmental wrestler, maybe even worse than that. He's Sid. I'm trying to work out who he is. Well... He has got that kind of 90s energy, but that was the semen and the DNA. I think has given him a weird mutant variant of, <laughs> of a weird mutant variant of perversely good charisma in that the charisma's gone, but the weird mutation, perverse enjoyment's still there. I could definitely hear him say, Carl, you're half the man that I am, and I got half the brain that you do. That's all I'm thinking. I've got half the calm that you do. <laughs> it made me think of the um the treehouse of horror Bart Simpson that's just been sat in the loft eating fish heads. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes a Von Wagner at this point. Oh, great. Like it, it, like wrestling rarely gets this right. But the uh the plant that he the first plant that he took out, like you you're seeing this guy who's I'd maybe been told to undersell it, but you watch thinking, I wonder what's going to happen. This one fan with like props and hats and everything on him. Like, <laughs> even Von Wagner couldn't pick the wrong guy, could he? So <laughs> I got the wrong one. It's like, like, he's might as well holding the sign saying, It's me. Get me. I've just realized what I want to happen. We haven't had it happen for a long time now on, on NXT. Guest commentary. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? It'd be great. You're so loud, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, we get a... Uh, I like you, Vic. <laughs> You've got... Heart! <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, we do get something good afterwards. Uh, it's... He carries us, baby, to the moon. Uh, he talks about what a 2021 he had, run, run through everything that went on with him and uh, Ted DiBiase, et cetera. He talks about going from cutting grass to kicking ass. Nice line. Well, like he's going to start uh, eating ass. Remember that? <laughs> Did they just drop that? Uh, but he, he learned how to conduct himself like a champ and find a new legacy courtesy of Ted DiBiase. Maybe this is the year he's going to stop chasing green and start chasing gold. It's 2020. To the 
Love that. Got to say twice, didn't he? <laughs> God, it, I really hope this is the year that Cameron Grimes wins a title. Hampler. I know they don't mean anywhere near as much as they used to, but I don't really care. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't decide if he's Braun Breaker's first opponent or his last one. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he's either sort of somebody perfect for like having Braun Breaker just flatten because he's credible and he's got all this like NXT legacy or he's sent on like one or two more diversions and then has like that hero's journey by the time Breaker's become dominant. Grimes is great. So he's just sort of working both. It's basically the hangman page of NXT. Shut up, man, and get the main event. Don't announce next Tuesday's stuff. I can see it in your notes. It's preview stuff. I just wanted to mention, I just I just wanted to mention we're getting a crowbar on a pole match next week. Climb. That is going to be a lot. Of, we've got a lot of games to play with that next week. Probably. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right, main event time is the NXT Championship on the line to Masso Champa versus Bron Breaker. Before we even talk about the match, Michael Sidgwick, your thoughts on Bron Breaker's entrance, bursting out of the chains and kicking through the old X. I liked it and then got annoyed by it two minutes later, if that makes any sense, because it ruled. They got the gist of the character, right, perfectly. And then in five minutes, I'm like, I like the, I like the finish of the match in the middle of the finish, but I've got problems with the match and I'll get to them and how it links to the entrance. That okay. is so funny as well. Sorry, because again, like we were talking earlier on, like as Cedric said, they killed the old NXT with a smile on the face, and then they had their new guy smash the logo to pieces yeah. on, the same, <laughs> on the same night. The AJ Styles like a lot of history in this building. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people from where I'm from, calling this a new sportatorium. They <laughs> <laughs> send the big juice up guy out to smash Triple H's baby in front of him. Like you can't, you cannot have both. Uh, anyway, let's get to the match. Um, much improved, I think it's fair to say, compared to the last title match we saw Braun Breaker in. Although, as Andy pointed out on the news, this is his ninth televised match. So, I mean, leaps and bounds for this guy. Fair play to him. Um, he's, you know, using all his power moves early on against Tommaso Ciampa. Um, but Breaker misses a splash, gets sent outside, and uh, Champa flip dives over the ropes to the floor. No commercial breaks on this, which I really appreciated. Uh, Breaker fights back, Lariat, Stinger splash, uh, slams Champa down, uh, sets up for a fruit super Frankensteiner, uh, but Champa crotches him on the turnbuckle, sets him up in a tree of woe, and just stomps on him. Uh, but again, uh, Breaker fires up, hits a spine buster, hits a picture perfect standing moonsault, but uh, Champa kicks out. Uh, after two, he cuts off Breaker, shoves him into the turnbuckles, hits him with a whole load of knee strikes. The blood on trickling down Champa's face. Always nice bit of accidental blood. Love that. Uh, Breaker fires out with the spear, though, to just come out of nowhere to take down Tommaso Champa. They trade strikes. Champa puts Breaker into a corner, but Breaker hits a Frankenstein out of there. Um, we talked about this. I mean, Sid, one of the first things we talked about when we got into work, it was, you know, a bit iffy in parts but there was a section that actually he and i thought sorry to tread on your toes here but he and i thought were was actually worked really well so breaker goes to that signature power slam but champa reverses it he's going to set him up on the ropes for the willow's bell but 
it's a bit awkward and a bit herky-jerky, but it did look like Champ was like, get over here for this, which I, I thought actually sort of added to it. Uh, so did Sige. Uh, Champ puts him in a half crab. Breaker gets a rope break. They go to the outside. Champ exposes the match. He looks like he's going to do what he did to him in the previous title match. But Breaker uh, slams, Alabama slams him through the announce desk. Jesus and it, Christ. It did that wonderful thing where he hit it and then it then it exploded. He didn't just hit it and go down with it. It was like a double bounce, which probably sucked if you're Tommaso Ciampa, but just I thought looked amazing. Uh, Breaker hits his power slam, but Ciampa is too close to the bottom ropes. The ring now uh, letting Breaker down there. So Ciampa fights back, crotches him, uh, knees him in the head multiple times after exposing his knee, uh, hits him with a fairy tale ending, but somehow Brom Breaker kicks out, uh, fights back, hits a Rick Steiner-esque flying bulldog from the middle rope, pulls down the straps on his singlet, puts him in the Steiner recliner. Tommaso Ciampa taps out Michael Sidgwick. He doesn't tap out Michael Sidgwick. Uh, <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa taps out Michael Sidgwick. Braun Breaker is your new NXT champion. Absolutely. I'm not going to talk about how it's the right decision in the right story and all the rest of that. Yeah. Done that quite a bit. Match itself to the entrance promises the absolute essence of Braun Breaker. And then they take the essence of 2003 Goldberg and put it into him for five minutes. It did feel like Triple H was back, you know, in NXT for a brief period here. I thought this would have benefited enormously if it was just full of the explosions that came later. You would never have got the impression of, oh, it has to be worked into this. Oh, this is boring. Bron Breaker's not very good at this particular aspect of the craft. Get to the point. I didn't <laughs> want to feel that at any point. I wanted to just be wowed for this like destructive breakthrough moment of Bron Breakers. They need to rid him of the 2003 Goldbergs and just make his... And again, this deviates on the house style, so it's never going to happen unless you're Brock Lesnar. Just, he's not good at the methodical heat sequence. Th those bits when he was um, doing the lower back of Champers with the forearms and stuff, it's like, just felt like he was going through the motions. He didn't really feel like this intimidating presence who was bending someone to his will because he's a guy who's an explosive athlete who should be just doing meat collisions for now for about nine just pulsating minutes there was a great match in here somewhere but it was there was still more but like it was like tacked on to some five minutes of obligatory wwe stuff that just doesn't suit uh, the problem a character or where he is at in his development when those explosions happened good grief some of them were awesome <laughs> the alabama slam table score was great Tommy Chomper looked like he had a whiplash. It was fantastic. The bit with the Willow's Bell, as we talked about, looked better because they almost tumbled out of the rings. It was like, no, 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 you're not tumbling out of the ring. You're getting your head spiked back in it. Great sense of struggle there. Brilliant recovery. But yeah, there's moments where, you know, it's one breaker. You're judging a guy after, what, nine matches at this <laughs> point where there was a strike exchange where they were completely lost. Um, but credit to break, uh, Breaker, he was the guy who started aiming thighs into the gut and he was the one who just thought, right, I'll take charge of this one. Um, I want to see an absolutely glorious nine-minute Bron Breaker match. I don't feel like it's forthcoming, but that's what I want to see. Yeah, his his first, not necessarily title defenses, but first few matches as champion need to take from. I mean, the obvious one is like Lesnar at SummerSlam against Cena, or remember the early Braun Strowman where they used to do that thing where they'd be like, "How do you stop Braun Strowman? You don't just wreck dudes." Well, they got Goldberg right three, uh, thirteen years later. <laughs> yeah, so. So. Fingers crossed by 2034, 35, we'll be fine with this guy. 
Yeah, I, like I'm, I pretty much agree with Cedric on that one. Like yesterday, I was requesting a version of the first match, but with the bells and whistles. Instead, I think we got the first match, then the bells and whistles. Yeah. How much would this have been proved by, like, would this have been improved by just shaving about five to seven minutes off? Because if you take away the, like, the luxury of time, there's no time to mess about. Like, they're, all of the first sequence of the match was pissing about to such an extent that I was worried it was never going to get good. And it just completely ruins the vibe and the energy of what you're supposed to be feeling about this. What is going to be like a nailed on title change. You want to be just getting more and more revved up from the opening bell. And it was as if they felt the need to cool you down. Some of Bron Breaker's execution, like I absolutely love for a guy with such little experience. Cedric mentioned, was it like during the, the brawl where you kind of like you switch, like just digging him in the, in the chest with thighs and stuff. Like when he does that and it feels like he's following his instincts because he's just this big meathead and he's not quite had all of his own natural intensity drilled out of him in the performance center. I think there's something quite special. I don't want to just say it's in the genes because there's plenty of wrestlers that have kids and the kids don't become wrestlers. But there's something about that Steiner energy, you know, like the stuff he's learning to do. I thought the execution of the Rick Steiner Bulldog was fantastic. Yes. For oh, a guy yeah. who tries to fly the connection of it, there's like, I completely see why you go with a Bron Breaker because there's absolutely enough of the bare bones. They are, and I believe it's inadvertent because of course they're going to want the best for him. They are inadvertently exposing too many of his flaws and their flaws that it's okay to have with his level of inexperience. It's, you know, it's antithesis of pro wrestling and the Paul Heyman philosophy and all that sort of thing. So just tweak and fix that. Now he's got the title and you might get somewhere because in a lot of senses, this was way, way superior to the first match. And if you want to try and tell a story between the two, it's that Bron Breaker's learned the lessons and he's learned how to absorb the worst of Champa's offense and just realize who he is. He's younger, he's more powerful, he's just he can be more dominant than Champa. I cannot see why they would expose so much of the weaknesses in his game first. Like keep it. Mm. It's just there. You have to do it by this blueprint. You have to do it by this blueprint because we won. That's it. That's that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. That's what yeah. it is. But uh, yeah, a very a hell of a conclusion. Um, as we anticipated, Brock Breaker, new NXT champion and a very enjoyable New Year's Evil. Let's see how they follow this up next week. Do let us know your thoughts on the show, though, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch that you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, we'll be back later on today to look ahead to AW Dynamite's first show on TBS. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 New Year's Evil Review. My thanks to the Dally Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 